I don't think it's any coincidence that um, today's message is about bold intimacy. Like, I don't, I don't think, I think in God's just the providence of how he works and how the spirit moves, that he knew that we'd have, and, and no joking aside, a bold few among us this morning, right? I see a bunch of bold men and women in this room, um, and that there would be intimacy this morning because of his spirit, right? These are, these, are, these are two words that, that we don't often use, and, and really we don't often use them together. I even questioned calling the series something like that, Bold Intimacy. Um, but I'm, I'm always blown away, and I shouldn't be. Um, but God was planning, and is planning, and is at work, even though we often can't see it. You know, I got to see Bold Intimacy this week as, as several guys, you know, shoveled driveways, Right? And it was so much fun, you know, to have snow. And, and the reason why we did that is because poor Emil, his, his arm is hurt. You know, he, he hurt his arm shoveling ice out of his driveway right next to the Fields house. And, um, and poor Heather was, was shoveling snow <laughs> trying to get to work. And we thought, hey, let's just pitch in and shovel Emil's driveway while his arm's hurt. And that led to another driveway and another driveway and another driveway. <laughs> and I think some guys were shoveling till 10 p.m. that night, you know, at the mission. I mean, these guys are all busy. Bold intimacy. It's really simple. It's like just taking time to love one another, right? Just taking time to be Christ and um, to just know, uh, know the needs of your neighbor. Um, Bold intimacy. I, I texted Craig yesterday and, and I wasn't quite sure. I, I was seeing these things on Facebook about Dr. Bob, you know, passing away. And I was like, Dr. Bob, I know a Dr. Bob. And he said, Johnson. I said, but that doesn't look like the Dr. Bob I know. <laughs> I was seeing these pictures from back in his 40, you know, when he was 40 and 50. And I said, I'm going to check with Craig before I do anything or say anything. I said, Craig, is this your dad? And um, he said yes, and they happened to be at the, um, where Bob had been staying. And so we dropped by and, and said hi to Craig and gave him a hug and met his brother, JJ, and, and uh, um, got some battle wounds and scars from throwing stuff in, in the back of a truck. So I, I wasn't wearing my cleats that day, but bold intimacy, right? Taking time for one another. It was cool just to, just to be able to hug Craig, and it was cool to be able to see the hope in his eyes and his heart about his dad. And Craig just shared this morning, much like my father, my, Craig's, Craig's dad believed there were many roads to heaven most of his life. But Craig, I think, did his job and shared, Dad, there's only one way. You know, you can have hope because of Christ. And his dad was opening, open to listen to hear. And Craig has hope in that. The same with my father. The last few minutes watching my father pass, I wasn't able to be there. He was in Fort Worth, Texas. I was, um, I think I said Houston, but I was actually in Austin, Texas. And I was on conference call with my sister. And my dad was one of those guys who, if you mentioned the word Jesus, the name Jesus, he, he, would, like, he would literally kick you out of the room. He did not want to hear it. And that day, he asked us to tell him who Jesus was. Like he knew he was at the end and there was something, there was a presence, there was something telling him, you've got <laughs> kids who love you and who love Christ and they've been trying to tell you about him for years 
And there's nothing better to see someone say, you know what? I don't know why I've been fighting against that my whole life. Like, tell me, tell me one more time. Craig, I'm thankful that you had the opportunity to do that. I'm thankful that you had the heart and the mind and the courage and the bold love to do that. Man, bold intimacy. I prayed about this message, and I thought there's so many scriptures, Lord, about what to share. And, and um, those two words, you can't, I don't think anyone can tell us what those two words mean, right? You can't tell somebody what boldness is. You can't tell someone really what intimacy is, right? You, can't, you, have to, you have to invite someone to experience that for themselves. That's my prayer for you over the next four weeks. I just invite you into maybe something that you once had that you can have again. Maybe some of you are right there right now and like, and you're like, I, I'm, I am on fire. I love the Lord. I love others. Like, I am, I am like, you know, Kansas City Chiefs right now about to hit the field like I'm on fire. They're going to win today, by the way. I, <laughs> I wish the Texans were there, but they're not. <laughs> Houston te- I'll tell you, even Houston teams are known for choking at the very end. Or cheating, now, from what I hear. <laughs> so, which is, uh, you know, no one's perfect, right? No one's perfect. Intimacy, the most challenging and rewarding state of being in the universe. We've struggled with it from the beginning. Right? I'll go through the Adam and Eve story, how it all began in the next four weeks. I won't do it today. But we've struggled with this thing called intimacy since the beginning. Isn't that interesting? It's It's just interesting to think about. We'll talk a little bit about it today. Get it wrong... And it's like playing with fire. So we, there's something about this passion, this thing we desire. God put it within us. Like he, we are meant to have a close on fire relationship with him and with, with others. But get it wrong and do it wrong. And it, it does, it, it gets the best of us. We're, we're going to talk about how to get it right. I'm not going to focus so much today on the ditches of intimacy. I'm going to talk about the, the positives of in- intimacy, so be encouraged. And I went long last time, and it looks like we're on track to go really long today. So I'm, I, 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 I'm going to be mindful of that and maybe cut it in half. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and that's no reason to cut a church service short. I, I, but, but I will be mindful that we, we've already had a great service. Thank you, Craig. All right. God loves you guys more than you know. Maybe the, what's most important about what intimacy is is what God's Word says about it. It's relevant, and, and there's, there's several things we're going to be talking about. It's relevant in our, our connection with God. It's relevant in our dating relationships for those of us who are not married yet or not even dating now, it's relevant to how we date someone else. It's relevant, especially relevant in our marriage relationships. But it's also relevant in our singleness. For those of us who choose and say, you know what, I'm going to serve the Lord with my life. And I'm choosing to focus all of my time and heart on Him. 
We're gonna, those are the things we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks and talking about what b- real bold intimacy looks like. Most people don't even know that, that it is God their souls truly desire. They are seeking satisfaction in other things. That's James Montgomery Boyce. Our soul desire, like there's, there's one thing, and it talks about before we know Christ, that you, know, you always hear about there's a void. There's something we're trying to fill this hole with. We see where actually a lot of us pastors and churches in the area are joining together to do something this spring where we're praying for those who are, who are stuck on drugs and meth and crack and addicted to you know, alcohol and drugs, chemical dependencies. We're actually starting right now and praying for all of those and, and throw some of my family members in that. I'm going to be honest with you. All of those that are seeking to fill this void with other things. We're actually praying bold prayers, and I want to invite our church into it to start today. We're praying bold prayers that everyone on our island that's trying to fill that void with some, some sort of chemical or drug, that God miraculously just says, no, I'm enough. Next spring, I believe May, so late spring, we're actually planning a, a, a walk around the entire island of Kodiak or the city of Kodiak. And the churches are trying to figure this out right now. How do we gather together as the church and pray for healing, like true healing in our soul desire. That's what this morning's message is about. One another. So next message we'll be talking about the one another's, our relationships, our marriage. Week three, we're going to be talking about battle of conflict. How to avoid the drift. We've got a couple in our church that has volunteered. I actually asked three couples so far. If you want to do this, I'd love to talk to you. But there's one couple that volunteered to share their story of, of bat, what they've battled over the years in their conflict and how they've truly been able to work through it. Um, the Paulsons said no, that they're still on 50 grit uh, <laughs> sand, sandpaper. I talked to him about, have, have you ever read the book Relationships of Mess Worth Making by Paul Tripp? The whole essence of that book says um, the reason why we have relationship with one another in our marriages God is using that to sandpaper us to m- look more like Christ. And that's why Shelly goes, well, we, we got 50 grit still in our house, <laughs> which, is, which is pretty heavy grit. It, 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 and she said, Steve, we might need to get that up to 200 grit. What do you think? And I, I'm like, I love that. There's a plan. All right, so let me get to Scripture this morning. And like I said, you can't, you can't help, we can't talk to each other and tell each other what intimacy is. It's very difficult to do. So what we're going to do this morning is, is go in the Word, go in the Psalm, and we're going to look at David's intimacy with, with God. And I, I just give you a disclaimer, like he doesn't start in the shallow end of the pool. Like David is a man who has loved God his whole life. God says he is a man after my own heart. He's fought battles in my name. He's messed up and got, received forgiveness He's got entire kingdoms chasing him, trying to kill him. So this is David, Psalm 63, 1 through 11. And it's not the shallow end of the pool, it's the deep end of the pool. So we're going right into bold intimacy from David's perspective. You can join me in your sermon notes, Psalm 63, 1 through 11. The title of it is, My Soul Thirsts for You. So we've, we've skipped right past the shallow end. 
Now, now we're in the 30-foot deep end of the pool. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He's in the desert of Judah, or the wilderness of Judah. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And this is where we get to see a little bit of the practical part of David's request and heart. There's actually people trying to kill him. King Saul, I believe in his men. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall, be, they shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God, and all who swear by him shall exult. For the, months, the mouths of liars will be stopped. Let me read that first line again, and we'll focus there. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirst for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Intimacy, essentially, it's pretty simple. It's just closeness. It's closeness, and it's more than proximity, right? Like when we think of close, we're thinking proximity. But the, the intimacy that we see in this psalm is with David and God, like he's, he is, it's almost like he can touch God. And he's talking to us as if like God's like right there with him. I imagine David in that cave, right, where King Saul was trying to kill him. Like I imagine David right there again. He's just, he's out in the wilderness. There's dry as all get out. And he's, he's talking to God near this cave. And he's saying, God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. The first time I read this, I was reminded of the time that we had just we had just returned from summiting a mountain, and I think I've shared this story with you guys before. And on that day, not very many of us, there was 22 of us, um, but half of the guys didn't prepare enough water. And they thought, oh, we're just coming up and we're coming back down. And by the time we got back down, like, I think it was five hours later, like, we'd all run out of water. Because those, those of us that had water shared with those that did not which lasted about two hours. <laughs> and in the mountains, you, you're like, holy cow, like I am thirsty. And not just that, your head is pounding like the worst migraine you've ever had, and I don't have migraines. I, did, I didn't get that. Chloe does. But I'm standing in this line of like 13 men, and, and we're waiting on the water filtration device to like get, get water through the, you know, through the filter so that we can have a glass of water. Like that's... And I, I am seeing stars and, you know, the mountain and the forest are moving, right, you know. And I'm sitting here, and next thing I know, I look over, and there's this little bubbling, like, water coming out of the ground. And I'm, I'm the 13th person in line, and I'm standing with this little bubbling water coming out of the ground, and I'm like, 
oh. <laughs> and so finally I'm like, I know it's, it's probably okay. It's not the smartest thing <laughs> to drink water coming out of the ground, but where was I? I was down on my knees filling my water cup with this bubbling water, and I drank the whole thing. It was the best water I've ever had in my entire life. And our mountain guide was watching me the whole time, and, and he, he watched me finish the water, and he looked at me and goes, you'll know in three days whether that was a smart idea or not. <laughs> and I'm like, well, cool, at least i got three days, you know, to live on that water. Literally, I, it's when water became, um, it just, it became very interesting to me that God made us to require this thing so that we can live. Right? Have you guys ever thought about it? How many times we stop during the day to what? To eat? I've been eating really well since Christmas, by the way. <laughs> like, lots of half-priced steaks at Safeway. I'm thankful for that. Um, so I need to go exercise now. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm confessing to you. <laughs> but now, have you thought about all the times that, that we're required to eat? that we're required to drink water, to take time to what? Just to live. Like it, God could have made it to where we were like, you know, renewable energy. We never needed anything. We're, we're independent. But He didn't. God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for you in a dry, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So it's so hard unless you've been there, like David. It's, it's so hard to try to tell somebody what thirst is like. It is so difficult to, on the other side of it, to also to share with somebody what true fulfillment is is like also. David has found this in God. Like he has found a bold intimacy where he can ask God for anything. That's what we're talking about this morning. Intimacy is a closeness. Um, it's oftentimes defined as familiarity, friendships, um, intimacy, intimacy between a husband and a wife. Essentially, it's abiding. It's aligned. It's, we're in agreement Intimacy, in the bottom of your note, says, is a closeness, is the first word, the first blank, is knowing in this last part. I think, I think it's what separates all of our relationships, is wanting. True intimacy is closeness, knowing, and wanting. So, the first time I met Myra, I'll, sh I'll share with you guys when Myra and I met. We were at Huntsville, Texas, uh, Sam Houston State University. I shared it a little bit before, but I'm going to get to the second part of the story. I was waiting tables. I'd been out on vacation with my family, uh, snow skiing, and in the mountains, my actually first mountain trip, funny enough. And we got back, and there's this beautiful young lady at the hostess stand, and we didn't know each other yet, and I'd already been there for two years waiting tables. That's how I paid for college. And um, she saw me writing my name in the, in the waiter's, you know, grid and, and she said oh you're new and, and I said no but you are <laughs> you know and and I was like god that sounds so rude the what I anyway so I was I was thinking back I think I was nervous um, by how beautiful this girl was um and two months later she 
she was dating someone, so I just kind of wrote it off, and two months later, she had let me know. She goes, you know, I broke up with my boyfriend. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. So guess who asked her out that day, like on the spot? I said, what are you doing in the night, you know? And uh, she was too beautiful to let have even 24-hour waiting period. Um, and she said yes. She went out. So during, and the reason why I'm telling you a story, during the next year, what did I do, right? What did all guys do in this room? I pursued her with everything I was, right? I wrote her letters. I think I even wrote her some poetry at that time. I'm creative. I like to write. I left roses on her windshield on her car at two in the morning, and the barn light like comes on and like announces to everybody that I'm there, and I'm running back to my car, trying not to get in trouble. I pursued her with everything. That was a, the honeymoon of our relationship. Everybody's been there, right? Some of you still are in the honeymoon. I'd say the longs still have a, a few, more, few more months or years. You guys are still in the honeymoon. And then, and then what happens? Disillusionment happens. That's when we get to find out who that person really is, and they get to find out who we really are, right? Honeymoon's over, so I'll fast forward. We've been married, you know, eight years, and life is tough. Like, it's really tough. We, so tough that we wound up sitting in the counselor's office going, okay, we need help. Like, we're, <laughs> we don't like each other one bit. Like, kids happen, right? Bills happen, family drama, all the normal stuff. And we're sitting in front of this counselor and we say, we don't like each other. We don't know how this is supposed to work, but we need your help. And the counselor says, first thing he says, tell me about the day you guys met. Tell me what it was like when you were pursuing one another. And I thought, that is so funny that he would take us all the way back there. He wanted to remind us of what we loved about each other in the first place. True intimacy is closeness, knowing, and wanting. And I'm not, I'm not here to tell you about Myra and I's dating relationship or our marriage problems. Like I, that's an example. What I'm trying to say is it's the same with our relationship with God. Like if you'll read, we're reading one psalm today, Psalm 63. If you'll read all of the psalms, you'll see David You'll see David on this like roller coaster with God. He's close. He loves him. He's pursuing him. Then he's what? Then he's shaking his fist at him. He's mad. He's frustrated. Even David in his intimate relationship with God moves from this honeymoon to this disillusionment in David's own heart, right? God hadn't changed to this last step, finally. And it was the, probably the best words that a counselor's ever said to Myra and I. After, I think we were in counseling for nine months because we were not ready to give up, like, our side. Like, well, I want this. Like, she's not doing this. And she's like, well, he's, he's doing this, and he, I mean, he's driving me crazy. Leaving wet rags under the sink after you wash dishes was one of those things, by the way. She, she does not like that. Finally, the counselor said this. He said, he said it. You two just need to grow up. <laughs> and I sat there, and I'm like, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> and 
And we're like, what do you mean? He goes, y'all just need to grow up. I think there comes a day where we all in our relationship with God where it's, he's just waiting on us. Like he's just waiting on us to go, God, I'm done with myself. Like I'm done doing this life my way. Much like we see David in this psalm. God, I, I, I need you. Like I just need you. Bold intimacy is getting to the point much like we prayed for Leslie's nephew. And I believe it's a, design, a, di- a divine act of God, the way he set up our, our laws, our spiritual laws, our physical laws, even our government laws sometimes, to get us to the point where we realize that all I need is you. And once I choose you, things, like you actually take care of me. And no, he, he may never make it out of a jail cell. That's not what God promises. God doesn't promise, I'm going to set you free from the cell. But he does promise, I will set you free from, from your own selfishness and from this, all of this stuff that you're bringing into your life. I, I will give you water for your thirst. I will provide for your food. And I promise you, I will give you something that's way better on the other side. It's so foreign to us so foreign that we can't even explain it to one another. But once it becomes real, for each of you individually, for each of us individually, then it's like, I I got this. It's 10 after, so let me get to the finish line. There's so much that I have put into the sermon today, and I may have to save it for tomorrow, so... Forgive me if we leave your sermon notes undone. When God created us, when He created Adam and Eve, He did what? He walked with them in the garden. Like He literally walked with them and had conversations with them. And I have so many questions about the book of Genesis. I do. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like I've read it many, many, many times. And it seems to jump from one point to another, but I haven't found anything that's not true. I, lo- I have a lot of questions for God when we get to heaven, and that's, w- that's what one cool part about going, God, I trust you. I want to know more about why you do what you do. But he walked, think about it for a second, he walked with Adam and Eve in the beginning. They had a close relationship before they even brought sin into this world, I, I even dare to say bold intimacy, clothing was optional, like for them, for Adam and Eve. How weird is that? Like, it's weird. I'm just going to say it, but it sounds awesome. Genesis 3.8 says, the her- they heard, so this is talking about Adam and Eve, the sound of, the, of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And this second part we'll get to later. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. This is after they decided to go their what? Their own way. So since the beginning of time, we have struggled with this thing called intimacy. And it's okay. I mean, I don't think we need to beat ourselves up for it. We're not, I'm not here to put shame and guilt on anybody, including myself. But it's, but it's a truth. Like it's real. And during the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how do we get that intimacy back. Um, 
So I was going to have you do this during the message, and maybe it's a good idea that we didn't. But go through this week. There's a reality check list of questions. Let me just read them, and, and you don't have to, to answer them now. Maybe answer them with a friend, um, with your significant other. I trust God in every area of my life. Right? For many years, I trusted God with my salvation. No doubt. Like, I believed in Christ. I knew He died for my sins. Like, I knew I had eternity. But guess what? I wouldn't give Him. I wouldn't give Him my career. Like, I'm, God, I'm like, God, bless my career. Like, I, I want to do this. Will you bless that? It, t- it took me to a pain and trauma until knowing that I wasn't in control for, God, for me to go, okay, God, I, maybe I haven't given you every area of my life. Do you share your dreams, desires, and fears with God? Like, do you even let yourself? We as adults, I think we... As kids, it's a little bit easier. As high school, and, and, and you guys aren't kids, you're young adults, college age. Like, it's easier for, for you guys to say, I, like, I want to dream about what's possible. Like, this, I could do anything I want to, right? As adults, we kind of get a little more fearful, and we shut so many doors. And we say, you know what, I'm made to do this one thing, let me do it well, and then I retire, right? And as the Davidsons know, there's, there's no such thing like they're in front of a new season going, God, what do you have for us? So does God know, are you taking your dreams, desires, and fears to God? Am I confident that I'm living for God's will for my life? That's a tough one. Am I confident I am forgiven in Christ that He died for my sins? I share, and this is another one where it gets more and more difficult. It's multiplication, right? I share Christ's love with my family my friends, and with strangers. And this last one has a few typos in it. I'll fix it next week. I want to be more connected in my relationship with God is what it should say. Let me finish with John 15, 4 through 6. And then we'll we'll start communion here in a moment for those of you on the communion team. It says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. The next four weeks, we'll be talking about this in more detail. Abiding is true connectedness. Abiding is true connectedness. And we are made to connect with God and others. And on this last scripture, James 4, 8 says, Draw near to me. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Um, Let me pray, and then we'll have communion um, so the communion team can come up join me. Father, we love you. Father, I thank you for how you move. Even this morning, it is so obvious when you want to work, you're going to work. And I thank you that you invite us into that work. Father, I thank you that um, this week has, has been so obvious. You just want us to love one another. Like you want us to celebrate you and be thankful in all things 
and to just see those people in our lives that need you, that just need your love, Father. And I thank you for that reminder, both tangibly with this snow and this blizzard, thank for all the, the needs that have been expressed, even for our homeless community, Father. Uh, help us be Christ. Help us uh, just take time and just see the need and just say, you know what, I'm in. Father, for those in the room that don't know you and haven't accepted your son and don't have a close relationship, I ask that you just make yourself real. I Father, I can't tell, sharing words, what it's like to walk with you. But I'm praying for each man and woman and child that comes through these doors that they sent you in a very real way. And I thank you in advance for getting a hold of them. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to enter a time where we remember what Christ did for us. Before Jesus was crucified, he sat with the disciples in the upper room. And he had one last meal with them, and he said, he said, where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, we will not meet again until I return. And he read these words from Luke. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'll pray. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table with the apostles. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which it is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you, the new covenant of my blood, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me at the table. For the Son of Man goes, that has been determined, but woe to that man by whom is betrayed. Jesus sat down with the disciples, and he said, Do this in remembrance of me.